On this week's episode of Backup Fantasy Sports, I'm officially two-thirds of the way through my TGFBI draft, so I'm going to take a look back at the good, the bad, and the ugly of my first fantasy baseball draft of the 2021 season. What's up, everyone? Welcome to this week's episode of Backup Fantasy Sports. I'm your host, Ewan Leith. And today I'm going to be reviewing my first 20 picks of the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. Last week, I had a preview episode of what I was hoping to do as I entered this first ever fantasy baseball industry draft for myself. So I was a little bit nervous and I was trying to look at some of the different strategies I could use as I tried to navigate a 30-team draft and semi-hold league for the first time ever. So for those of you that didn't listen to last week's episode, TGFBI is the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, and it is a fantasy baseball industry-wide league. There's 29 leagues with 15 teams in each, so there's five, 435 total players. It's 5x5 five five Roto. So we got home runs, runs, RBIs, stolen bases, and batting average on the hitting side. And then on the pitching side, we've got wins, ERA, whip, strikeouts, and saves. 30-man rosters, two catchers, first, second, third, short, middle infielder, corner infielder, one utility, five outfielders, nine pitchers, and seven bench spots. So pretty typical roto size rosters there. It's a weekly lineup decision. The only way you can get players are through drafting them or picking them up off the waiver wire each week through free agent auction bidding. No trading is allowed, and this draft has been a slow draft with a four-hour clock for every player. So I got the 15th pick. So I was drafting back-to-back picks the entire time. It's been a pretty interesting week. Um... Sometimes it's been like dragging teeth, but we're, we're getting there. Two-thirds of the way through, I'm not going to complain. Love draft season. It's officially kicking off. I've got another one coming up in a couple of weeks, and then that final weekend before opening day is when it's probably going to be a lot of chaos. But anyway, like I was saying, I had the 15th pick at the back end of round one, so I took you Darvish. Talked about him last week. I love him for strikeouts. I love him for wins. I love him for just about anything you could want. Last season, 2.01 ERA, 2.23 FIP, and a 2.82 XFIP. 2020 is obviously very small sample size, but he had 12 games, 76 innings, 11.01K per nine. Those, those are things that you love from your ace. So I took him at 15, and then the great... Ah, I forgot your Twitter handle, so I'm sorry. But a fantastic gentleman put together this huge spreadsheet with all the, all the leagues combined, and it had all of the ADPs from all the leagues. So you, Darvish... Finished with a ADP of 17.8. And then he had a minimum pick of 13. 
So that's the highest that someone drafted him. And he had a lowest pick, a maximum pick of 24. So I took him towards the upper range of where he was going, but I felt strong enough about you that I'm totally fine with him being the ace of my pitching staff in this 15-team league, especially when I paired him with Lucas Giolito, who was my next immediate pick. He had an ADP of 18, so these guys were also going back-to-back in all the other leagues. On the board for me were Nola, Lindor, Bellinger, and Harper. And I talked about this in my preview episode. I really wanted to go pitcher-pitcher, get that starting pitching base to just build upon and kind of go from a position of strength and possibly trigger a pitching run that would drop some of the better hitters in the league to me at the 3-4 turn. That kind of worked out, I would say. At the 45th pick, which was my third round pick, George Springer fell all the way there. And I professed my love for him last week. Former Astro will always have a place in my heart, but sitting atop the top, sitting atop the top of that Toronto Blue Jays lineup that a lot of people are expecting to take a leap. I'm a little hesitant to believe that they can just become one of the elite offensives in baseball, but they've got a lot of potential, that's for sure. And Springer's sitting right there at the at the top is going to produce a lot of runs. The turf is a little bit of a concern, but we will get there. He will, as long as injury avoids him, he will be well worth the 45th overall pick. TGFBI had him as the 48th overall pick. And he actually fell all the way to 57 in one league. So that is very surprising. Next, I paired him with Alex Bregman, 46th overall. So this left me in a little bit of a conundrum because I do not have a lot of stolen bases. Springer and Bregman have flashed the potential to steal bases, but I don't know if that is in their profiles anymore. Bregman's already kind of talking about being 90% in spring training, and those are a little worrying. But he's a gamer. I trust him. He was MVP candidate in 2018 and 2019 before he fell off a little bit last year. But as everyone seems to be doing, we're going to pick and choose that we like the 60-game sample size for one guy and don't like it for another. So we'll see how it all works out. But Bregman's still hitting at the heart of that Astros lineup that has been terrific for half a decade now. And we'll see how they approach 2020. I did have Rendon, Azuna, Vlad Guerrero Jr., and Nolan Arenado on the board when I picked at the 3-4 turn here. But, I mean, none of those guys offer stolen base upside either. And Rendon is really the only one that I could have 
seen myself taking. Azuna is coming off a career year, so that makes me a little bit nervous. And no NLDH is another thing. Vlad is still too expensive for me to take with a fourth round pick. And I'm just going to wait and see on Arenado. I did some research in my first ever episode of Backup Fantasy Sports saying that he's actually not as bad on the road as people say, but we will wait and see. I will hopefully be able to find a one share of Arenado on one of my teams this year, but with this being my first draft and being so deep, I wanted to be a little bit safer. I just felt like Bregman had a better chance to return fourth round value. I mean, this time a year ago, he was a bona fide first round pick, top 12 pick in 12 team leagues. So I will certainly take him at 46th overall. So those are my first four picks. Got my pocket aces with you Darvish and Lucas Giolito. And then I got my power, my counting stats. Off to a good start with Springer and Bregman. But severely lacking in saves. And stolen bases. A lot of people say you shouldn't pay for saves this early in this kind of draft. But you got to compete in all these categories if you want a chance of winning, which would be incredible. But I'm just looking to finish top half of my league, possibly beat all the first-timers or the rookies in my league, and we'll see how I can do overall. 435 people are playing this competition. I'm shooting top 200, but there's going to be a lot of lessons learned this year with this being my first time doing this kind of draft. So addressing the stolen bases, I went with Javi Baez. That's pick 75. He had a min pick of 45, a max pick of 90. So right around the middle there, or I guess towards the the upper part of the max pick at 90. Baez had a pretty rough 2020 with a 203 batting average, but the two years before that, 290 average, 281 average, 531 slugging. In both those years, at least 531 slugging. So I'm going to buy the bounce back. The K rate rose. It's risen three years in a row from 25.9 to 31.9 last year, but 59 games. It's all over the place. A lot of the projections still have him bouncing back for at least a 260-ish average with 27 home runs. Steamer has him as a 30 home run guy, which would be great. And they all have him above double-digit stolen bases, which I will take at this point in the draft because I don't have any stolen bases. So I need to get some here and there. Same thing with Chapman that helped me address saves. He is as close to a lock to 30 saves as you can get in baseball these days. He's had it in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven of the last nine years. 22 in 2017, and then 
only three last year, but he had a shortened year. Obviously, he plays for the Yankees. They're not going to win less than 90 games again this year. So he's going to have a great shot at getting those 30 saves again. I had T. Oscar Hernandez that I do not buy into. Jose Barrios that bores me. Keston Hira, too risky. Jordan Alvarez, Nelson Cruz, and Zach Wheeler were there as well. I was thinking about them, but Alvarez and Cruz were also just straight zeros in the stolen bases. And in Roto, you just can't really afford to punt categories. So that's why I went with Baez over those two guys, even though if I was in my regular head-to-head categories league, I would probably just look at the first four picks and be like, okay, we're going to figure out saves or stolen bases later. But this is too deep of a league to really just ignore one category. So that's why I went with Baez. Next was Joe Musgrove and Jesus Lazardo at the 7-8 turn. I was tilting a little bit at this point because Chris Paddock and Ian Anderson, who I both really like, went right before me here. So I was planning to come back and get back into starting pitching again. So maybe I did that regardless of who was on the board, but I love what Musgrove can do in San Diego. He showed some great signs of improvement at the end of 2020 and being around better pitchers, being around a winning ballpark, little stroll down narrative Avenue right now, but change of scenery helps getting out of Pittsburgh helps. Hello, Garrett Cole. Joe Musgrove isn't going to be Garrett Cole, but it does seem to have a little bit of a take the blinders off and people improve when they get out of Pittsburgh these days. Pittsburgh used to be this whole pitching factory and that has not been the case recently. Jesus Lazardo is kind of a post-hype sleeper before the 2019 season. He was just rocketing up draft boards, and then he had a little bit of an injury, and then the A's were like, oh, he'll be on a pitch count, and he's still really good, guys, and I would gladly take him right here as my fourth starting pitcher. The A's, every year we seem to want to count them out, and they always seem to find a way to be right there. So I'll take Lazardo, who should be, the ace of that staff if he's not already. Next was the ninth and 10th round. So starting to get into uh, get your guys kind of range here, but Bill joining the Nationals is, I really, really love that spot for him. It'll easily be the best offense he's ever played on with Turner and Soto batting ahead of him, presumably. 
And then Jorge Soler was great in 2019. The dead end ball is a little bit of a factor for me, but on NFBC, he actually has outfield eligibility. So I kind of manipulated that and I'll just slot him in an outfield instead of taking up my utility spot. The, uh, the reason I went with Josh Bell, I was trying to wait to fill up my first base spot, but this is where I was like, okay, maybe I'll think about taking my catcher. It's a two-catcher league, so I need to get one. And I had Will Smith in my queue for 10 picks, nine picks to go, eight picks to go, sniped right before me at 134. So that hurt. That hurt a little bit, not going to lie. And then I waited a lot longer to get my next catcher. So I went Bell, Solaire. So this is like this is my team through first ten picks. Darvish, Gilito, Springer, Bregman, Baez, Chapman, Musgrove, Lazardo, Bell, Solaire. Don't hate that. Severe lack of stolen bases. You don't have to tell me that's gonna be a struggle all year, and I have dug that hole for myself and I will be trying to figure out how to fix that the entire season. So 10 picks in feeling pretty good about a lot of the categories except stolen bases. So what did I do in the next 10 picks? It's been a week since the draft started. So we're through 20 picks now get in there. Hopefully we can have this wrapped up in a couple of days. But kicking off the second set of 10 picks I had, I took Trey Mancini. No 2020 due to health reasons, but he's batted over 290 in two of his last three seasons. 35 homers, 106 runs, 97 RBIs in 2019. All the projections are currently lower on him because they think he plays less than 130 games this year but if it's full health i i don't see why he can't play more than that and rack up those counting stats again it'll be interesting to see how he comes back from what he was dealing with last year but someone needs to hit home runs and drive people in in Baltimore, so why can't it be Trey Mancini? So then next I took another young pitcher, which was starting to become a little bit of a theme with Tristan McKenzie out of Cleveland. I'm just buying into Cleveland being a pitching factory at this point. Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer, Carlos Carrasco, Zach Plezak, Shane Bieber... All these guys found their footing in the late in the league with Cleveland. And I think Tristan McKenzie is going to be the guy that gets that bump in 2021. Sometimes you got to get your guys. I got them at 166. The TGFBI ADP was 188.9. So a little bit, a little bit above ADP. Next, I went with Andrew Vaughn, the Chicago White Sox prospect that is, or was lighting it up in the first week of spring. I nearly took him 
at the 165-166 turn. Super tempted. Nothing worse than thinking a guy will last, and then as soon as he gets taken, you are just like, why why did I not just do it? Like, But I was ecstatic to get him here at 195. His ADP is 222 in TGFBI. So that was another reach. But at the turn, at this point, this is get your guys range. Like, don't be apologetic about it. If this is what, if this is where you think your lineup needs to go, then that's where your lineup needs to be. Another desperate attempt to rack up stolen bases here at the next pick with AJ Pollock and the Dodgers. Uniform, this is going to be an extremely risky pick. It might make or break my whole chances in the stolen base category at all. So that'll be quite interesting. That's my fourth outfielder. So pretty set there for now. I'll look to... Oh, look at this. I got my 21st and 22nd pick. Just checking the draft room again. So I just talked about my 14th pick. So I've been on the clock for 15 minutes. Oh, no. Sorry, guys. All right, let's wrap this up, and then I will make these picks as we finish up today's episode. So after AJ Pollock, I finally addressed catcher, and I took Buster Posey, one of the last catchers I would even trust as a catcher two but he's my catcher one so that's going to be a weak spot going to be needing to burn and churn that catcher spot a lot this season try to find something that sticks but we will see how that goes and then as my second semi closer um i took drew pomeranz but there's already reports out of san diego that mark melanson might be the guy there Still love Pomeranz as a reliever because I think he's going to be great for ratios and strikeouts. And I think he will get saves. And Melanson has a little bit of an injury history. He's getting up there. So he was, Melanson was fantastic last year for the Braves. But Pomeranz has been there a couple of years now. So I'm just going to hope that. Pomeranz can get some of those San Diego Padres saves. Pretty invested in the San Diego uh, San Diego Padres pitchers in this draft, so we will hope that the Padres do well this year. And then <clears throat> my next four picks were Ty France. He's second base eligible for the Seattle Mariners this season. He seems to have a spot locked up as the DH. And he's even taking grounders at third this spring. So that'll be interesting. But I needed a second baseman. Ty France tore the cover off the ball last year. So I will take that any day. He batted 305 in 43 games last year with four home runs and 23 RBIs. So... There's some potential there. He's 26, but yeah. But buying the hype, buying the hype for Ty France. 
And then I went Tony Gonsolin because the Dodgers are going to use seven or eight pitchers this year to get through the entire year. They already said that they don't want anyone making twenty more than 28 starts. We'll see if that goes well with Trevor Bauer, but Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, always on pitch count, or not pitch counts, but innings limits, and they'll have phantom DL stints. So Tony Gonsolin's going to be a great swingman for me. And then the last two picks that I took yesterday in the 19th and 20th rounds were Dane Dunning in the airplane hangar known as the Texas Ranger Stadium, and then Griffin Canning, who I am still in on. He seemed to get better results with that slider at the end of last season, and I'm just buying the the post-hype. Give me the Griffin Canning stock. So anyways, that was my first 20 picks, but now I'm on the clock right here. So let's talk this out. In my queue right now, I have Omar Nevarez, Miles Michaelis, Carlos Martinez, Oscar Mercado, and Luis Garcia, the pitcher from Houston. He could be interesting because Framber Valdez has a broken finger that's going to randomly keep him out for the entire 2021 season, which is very concerning. And I've got Oscar Mercado in my queue here. Let's take a quick look at roster resource and see where they project or if they project Mercado to even be in Cleveland's starting lineup. They have him batting eighth. Whew, that could be rough, but they haven't projected for 18 stolen bases. 244 batting average. I'm not exactly doing hot in either of those categories. So do I continue taking the hit? Ugh. It is a tough one to decide here. I was doing some research on St. Louis and they just overall have a good AD or ERA as a team, which is really nice. Kwang Hyun Kim is there for St. Louis and I believe he's going to crack the rotation. At least that's what they have on roster resource, I believe. Yeah, they have him as the second starter. Fangrass has been projected for a 403 ERA with 140 strikeouts and 163 innings. Mm -hmm. Man, this is tough to do. I think I'm going to go. Oh, am I going to pass on catcher again? I've done this so many times and it's just coming back to bite me. Who else do we have here? Yeah, we don't have a lot of people that are guaranteed playing time, so I'm going to have to take Oscar Navias here. Omar Navias, sorry. Overall ADP right now on NFBC is 357.59. I'm going to take it at 315. 
oh, this is not going to be a good pick, but got to get some playing time at the catcher position. So I'll take him. And then, man, Garcia showed some good signs last year. Am I going to be a homer here? Oof. Miles Michaelis is nice and boring. Carlos Martinez is not nice and boring, but might have a little bit of upside. Hmm. I need an outfielder. I need steals. Oh, man. But Cleveland's offense is going to be so bad. Hmm. There are a lot of options right here. But... I will take the speed and the slight hit and batting average, I assume, here, and I will grab Oscar Mercado to get some speed, hopefully. Nothing else really going on in that profile, but you, you got to do what you got to do at this point in the draft. So there we go. Took Oscar Mercado and Omar Navaez with my 21st and 22nd picks. So that does it for this week's episode of Backup Fantasy Sports. Thanks for going through the review of my TGFBI squad with me and the 21st and 22nd round picks of my 30-team draft. That draft should be over this time next week. So on next week's episode, we will go over some of the most important storylines from spring training and see if they do or do not matter. You can follow me on Twitter at you in or you out. It's in the episode notes. And thanks for listening. And I will talk to you next week. See ya.